Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. What does one of Canada's most respected experts on Indigenous matters say about the blockades? Um, BC hereditary chiefs in the federal government response. Well, last weekend, our guest described Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's intervention in the rail blockings as timid. And uh, I've spoken uh, with Professor Ken Coates many times over the years. University of Saskatchewan served at universities across Canada and the University of Waikato in New Zealand. He's known internationally for his work on Indigenous affairs, has worked as a consultant for Indigenous groups and the governments of Canada, New Zealand, and Australia, as well as the United Nations. And uh, one of his books is Treaty Peoples, Finding Common Ground with Aboriginal Canadians. I also tweeted out a link to the professor's book. Professor Coates, thank you very much for coming back on the program. Uh, when you said last weekend that the, premier, the prime minister's uh, intervention has been timid, I got a tremendous amount of response to that. Uh, as we look at the last week in the developments, is there anything in Mr. Trudeau's actions, positions, words he said, including the barricades must come down, which causes you to alter that assessment somewhat? Um, maybe a tiny bit, but quite frankly, not a very great bit. Um, he said those things and then actually has not proceeded very quickly. Um, and so I think people who are expecting great things from the Prime Minister, this being one of his most important files, as he said repeatedly, uh, would be disappointed. Um, uh, he says he's drawn a line in the sand. That's not his words, but it seems to be suggested we've gone far enough. But people are still sort of waiting for action. Um, so I think it's, it remains, it remains uh, timid. Uh, it's, it's disturbing. Uh, one of the things that bothers me is the backlash, not just against the protesters, but against Indigenous peoples, is getting stronger all the time. Uh, comments on radio programs like yours from time to time and comments on you know, newspaper stories or TV stories or whatever are getting, getting harsher. Um, and I worry very much that the, this kind of response will escalate in the, in the, in the times to come. Uh, this is a really, really important issue for Canada. This is just not even about coastal gas link. It's not even just about um, you know, pipelines or energy development generally. It's morphed into something much, much larger. And we're getting a small response to a big set of issues. How big is it? Uh, really large in a very important series of ways. So just to enumerate a few things, um, you can start off with questions of national unity. Uh, the anger in Western Canada is profound. Uh, the response in Central Canada to the problems in Western Canada is noted, and people are getting very, very frustrated with that. Um, Quebec gets much faster responses to its concerns than Western Canada does over something this important. Um, it's important to the economy. We've lost at least uh, probably $100 billion of investment. Um, in the oil and gas sector over the last three or four years. Uh, that could get even higher, and there's every billion dollars is hundreds of jobs and, and, and community support for, for years to come. Um, it's important because we've, we're, we're turning up the temperature on indigenous uh, governance and indigenous sort of rights generally, when we could have actually used this situation as a reason to celebrate very substantial indigenous engagement in the resource economy. In other words, we've gone from one of the great success stories in indigenous involvement in, with Canada as a whole um, to having a very, very tiny number of people turn this into a conflict over the future trajectory of indigenous rights. 
Um, there's been other major issues relating to Indigenous governance, you know, who gets to make decisions, how do these things unfold. Um, we've got some very serious structural issues around the economic future of the country. Um, people who think this is a small issue, um, if it, in fact these projects don't proceed, will notice in the next four to five to ten years a very substantial reduction in resource revenue coming to the Government of Canada and, and, and several provinces uh, with implications for programs for healthcare, for uh, government services, for education, and things of that sort. So the problem here is that it's become a sort of a whole combination. This is like a protest stew rather than one issue. It isn't one issue, one community. Um, it's got climate change issues. Are we really serious about this? Are we not so serious about it? It's got major economic implications. It's got serious questions about democracy. You know, who's in charge of the country? Um, you know, democratic leaders, uh, and I think this is the comment I hear most often, um, is that people are very, very upset about the, uh, the inability of the government of Canada to contain this this controversy and to put it in a very different perspective, um, to make it into, you know, addressing the actions of a very small number of people. Um, one wonders about the future of democracy if any small number of people who want to sort of really protest against the government just shut down railway, railway shut down highways. Uh, go to civil disobedience, shut down subway systems. Uh, Canada is, it's easy to shut countries down when the rule of law disappears. Yes. What about uh, something I've heard repeatedly, and I've seen in emails, and particularly today, that this really is a First Nations issue, that hereditary uh, chiefs versus the band councils, that it really should be the, up to the, to the band councils to sort things out with the hereditary chiefs and the band councils to take some uh, preemptive uh, positions and say, look, we signed onto this, we want this pipeline, we're in favor of it, and we're going to be very public about that, should that happen. Uh, it should, and in fact it has. We, the band councils and First Nations who were in support of the projects have been speaking out increasingly. Uh, we've had some hereditary sub-chiefs uh, of the Wet'suwet'en people at, at considerable um, discomforts of themselves. They right. don't want to you know, criticize their hereditary chiefs. It's an important cultural role uh, within, within uh, Wet'suwet'en society. Uh, they don't want to come out in, in opposition to them, but they've done that with great courage. Um, so we we know we know what they've said. We know the twenty First Nations along the corridor. Uh, so are they? Are they? Are they, Professor? I'm sorry to interrupt, Professor Coach, but are are they just not getting are the band councils and the people in favor of the of the pipeline, and in favor of TMX? And if the frontier tech frontier mine is approved, in favor of that, are they just not getting enough coverage, enough enough uh, enough enough time? Well, it's interesting. In media. You know, what you what you have behind the the protesters, the pipeline protesters in particular is a very, very well-organized media machine. Um, it comes out of the environmental movement, is well-funded. They have people on the ground who are professionals in this. They use social media extremely well. They can make a very small protest seem like a very big protest. They get headlines all around the world because they have a lot of their own media and a lot of their own material to sort of circulate. So, so that message is getting out. The, on the chief side... You know, that's not a coordinated group of people across the country who are in favor of resource development and oil and gas pipeline construction. You know, they're individual people. Uh, you can find examples of many of them speaking out. If you haven't heard Crystal Smith, who is the um, chief counselor for the, for the Heisler First Nation, uh, you just haven't, don't really understand the depth of the anger and frustration in First Nations about these protests. She's an extremely articulated and talented individual who has enormous, enormous leadership capabilities. Um, we don't see her on the news every night because that's not her job. And they don't, do not have trained communications people in large numbers who are trying to sort of 
change the agenda on a national scale. So it's kind of an uneven conflict in that in that regard. But they are speaking out. We know what they they think, and we know what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not listening. I think the problem there is on the listening side. You asked the question about about whether who should decide this. Ultimately, of course, it's a First Nations issue. Um, they have to decide in a formal and, and legal sort of process. Um, the hereditary chiefs have the right to assert their authority. Uh, there is an unresolved and a serious and a significant unresolved issue here about their authority. But that has to go through proper channels. It has to have community endorsement. So the communities, the Wet'suwet'en communities, have not, in a clear and unequivocal way, endorsed the position of the hereditary chiefs. Um, how they understand the situation is very different than how the band chief council and the people at large understand the situation. So that raises the question of why do we not know that? The court, the court case upon which the hereditary chief's authority is based is a quarter of a century old. You know, there's a land, modern land claim process going on up there with the Wet'suwet'en. as a six-stage process with the government of British Columbia through the B.C. Treaty Commission. They're at stage four. They're in the process of resolving this through sort of legal and negotiated means. So we've got some progress going on. This is a superheated one, largely because of the engagement of the uh, climate change activists, uh, the anti-pipeline groups generally, and the whole sort of just general ethos, in particular in British Columbia, around the climate change debate. So we've let it get out of control. We let it go too long. Um, We haven't sort of brought forward the indigenous folks who have some really powerful thoughts on this and i agree with you that we're not hearing those anywhere near the level that we're hearing from yeah. a very small number of protests yeah. if you want to hear more subscribe to the roy green show on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you find your favorites and if you like what you hear leave us a review and tell a friend i'm roy green have a great weekend